0: Chances are, if you live in the English-speaking world, you're familiar with the term gypt. You might have even used it yourself, unaware of its origin or the history behind it. The word, as many of you may know, means to cheat or swindle, and is, in fact, a pejorative term directed at the people who have come to be known as the Gypsies. Historically, the Gypsies have often been dealt the short end of the stick, and have been cast in a negative light as charlatans and thieves. This however is quite false, and even their given name as a people is inaccurate, considering their unique lineage and culture. But where exactly did the so-named gypsies actually come from, and how did such negative stereotypes arise for them? I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and welcome to the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. The year is 1935. The place is Germany. Chancellor Adolf Hitler, who came to power two years ago, has just enacted the Nuremberg Laws, a series of discriminatory laws against those German citizens who are deemed, quote, enemies of the race-based state, unquote, because they do not fit the Nazi ideal of Aryan, that is, Nordic-Germanic perfection. The Gypsies are among the first ethnic groups to be targeted, along with Jews and immigrant Poles, and are stripped of their German citizenship. Violence against them ensues, followed by relocation to work camps, and ultimately, deportation to death camps in a systematic genocide. Due to their traditionally nomadic, itinerant culture, historians are uncertain as to how many gypsy lives were lost at the hands of the Nazis, but it is estimated that anywhere between 500,000 and 1.5 million were claimed in what they refer to as the Porajmos, literally the Devouring, their name for the Holocaust. It's important to note, however, that the Gypsies were by no means new or foreign to Germany. Their ancestors, in fact, had been there, and in much of Europe, for close to a thousand years, yet their migratory nature and their oral tradition made it clear that they were not native to the continent. So where exactly did they come from? To answer that question, we'll have to venture back even further, but before we do, it's imperative that we clear up the term gypsy once and for all. An exonym, or a name applied to a group of people that said group of people themselves do not use, it has become outdated, even a derogatory term, and does not, in fact, reflect their true origins. The moniker Gypsy, in all its linguistic variances, was first used during the Middle Ages by the Europeans, who initially thought that the darker-complected, itinerant people who lived among them originally hailed from Egypt. In more recent years, however, their ancestral heritage has been verified by geneticists, and the people in question refer to themselves as the Romani, a derivative of their word Rom, meaning man, husband, or simply human being, though Romani is now collectively used for the people as a whole, regardless of gender. While it was thought by medieval Europeans that the Romani originally hailed from Egypt, the truth of the matter is that they came from somewhere decidedly farther away, not in North Africa, but in northern India. Geneticists now know for certain that the Romani came from a single group that left northwestern India, particularly the Haryana, Punjab, and Rajasthan regions, around AD 512. What is unclear, however, is the reason why they left in the first place, though there are a couple of theories circulating amongst historians. The strict caste system of ancient India may well could be one of the culprits, no doubt heavily oppressing the ancestors of the Romani, who, in turn, fled to seek freedom and refuge elsewhere. Yet another theory is that they were offered higher social status in the very same caste system if they helped fight wars in Western Asia. No one hypothesis has been agreed upon, however, and, regardless, geneticists know that the Romani first arrived in West Asia in 1007, and in southeastern Europe a hundred years or so later in the 12th century. The earliest extant European record of an encounter with the Romani dates back to 1322, when an Irish Franciscan monk named Simon Simeonis, en route to a pilgrimage in Jerusalem, wrote of a migrant group he met on the Greek island of Crete. From the start, it was clear that they were not welcome in their newfound home, with Simeonis referring to them as, quote, the descendants of Cain, unquote, an allusion to the fact that they were a cursed people, in reference to Cain's murder of his brother Abel in the book of Genesis. Over a quarter century later, in a fiefdom on another Greek island, Corfu, Romani slave labor had been implemented as the basis for its economy. While there were a handful of exceptions, namely tolerance under the rule of Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund in Central Europe in the mid-15th century, most countries were eager to either have them enslaved, sent away, or put to death. For most of the 15th and 16th centuries, persecution of the Romany people was commonplace, with edicts against them having been issued in Germany, Switzerland, France, Sweden, Italy, Spain, England, and Denmark. In Wallachia, in modern-day Romania, they were held as slaves, auctioned off like cattle in slave markets throughout the region. In France, they were branded and had their heads shaved, and the women even had their ears mutilated. Later, during the Spanish and Portuguese Inquisitions, they, along with Jews and Moors, were targeted, and many lost their lives. They were hunted in ethnic cleansing campaigns throughout the Netherlands, causing much of the Romany population in Western and Central Europe to ultimately flee to the relative freedom and tolerance of Eastern European countries, like Poland, Bulgaria, and Russia. Given this history of intolerance and grave injustice the Romany faced in Europe, it's easy to see how a plethora of negative stereotypes have arisen against them. For centuries, the Romani have often been portrayed, be it in popular culture or by word of mouth, as a horde of charlatans who revert to magic and superstition in order to swindle unsuspecting people out of vast sums of money and wealth. This undoubtedly stems from a 1350 account by a German monk and theologian named Ludolf of Saxony, in which he referred to them as mandapolos, a name that many believe to be a derivative of the Greek word mantes, meaning prophet or fortune teller. This would certainly seem to reinforce the aforementioned account by Simon Simeonis, in which he called them the descendants of Cain, the cursed children of the first murderer in human history, according to biblical tradition. In recent years, however, various Romani advocacy groups have tried to dispel such negative stereotypes. As president of The Voice of Roma, Sani Rifati writes so eloquently and fervently in the organization's official website, I won't play you a sad song on my violin. I do not have a bandana. I do not have a golden tooth. I do not have long hair or a golden hoop in my ear. I am just trying to speak up for my people, to tell you about their suffering and the persecution they've endured throughout the centuries, and to ask that you fight against ignorance, prejudice, and stereotypes. Simply put, as a place to start, please call me Rome." What both Ludolf of Saxony and Simon Simeonis failed to realize, or more than likely conveniently overlooked, was that the Romani were not, in fact, a damned or even sacrilegious or atheistic people. On the contrary, they are as religious as any other group, with a set of customs and beliefs that, depending upon the religion to which they ascribe, are influenced by the doctrine of said faith. Most Romani are Christians, others are Muslim, and some have even maintained a connection with their roots and practice Hinduism, the native faith of their ancestral homeland, India. There are, of course, exceptions to these rules. A population of Jewish Romany hailing from Eastern Europe and Central Asia trace their religious heritage back to a time indeterminate. In other words, their people as a whole are not tied to one faith, but a diverse mixture of religions that reflect the lands in which they settled. While one may like to think that persecution of the Romany ended at the dawn of the modern era, nothing could be farther from the truth. Though they did find tolerance in such remote places as Poland, Russia, and in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries brazil mexico and a fledgling nation known as the united states they were still the subject of violent hatred in western and central europe this reached a fever pitch however in the twentieth century when nazi germany systematically executed them in a mass genocide the like of which they had never seen or experienced before In light of what they called the Porajmos, or Holocaust, those families and groups that survived banded together, and ultimately formed the basis for what would become known as the World Romani Congress. First formed in 1971 in the United Kingdom, and funded in part by the government of India, they have since met in various places around the world in order to address the ongoing struggles, issues, and persecution affecting Romani people throughout the globe. Their anthem, Opre Roma, which was penned in the immediate aftermath of the Porajmos, serves as a call to action meaning Rise Romani in their language. It encourages its people and their allies to rise up against persecution and injustice to ensure that such atrocities never be allowed to take place again. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next Thursday and every Thursday for a brand new episode of the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time.